welcome to Playwright, a podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. My name is Ryan Heyman. You can call me H. And I'm Ryan Quintel. You can call me Q. I'm, tr- I'm trying to do more of a legato H with my announcement, like the nice, you can call me Q, you know, just a nice slur of an intro. I always uh, want to slip into the, um, the uh, Paul Simon song, you know. I can call you Betty, and Betty, if you call me, you can call me Q. Yeah, that's very good, and very on tune, or in tune, rather. That's, uh, it was lovely. I wish I could whistle, because I'd back you up with a do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. That's one of the things, is like, I was kind of obsessed with that song for a little bit back in college, and my roommate played trumpet. Like one oh. of our very close friends played saxophone and I was like, you guys got to just do the duet, you know, and like I could never convince them to, I don't know why, like there's nothing embarrassing about playing it. It's just like, it's, if, if I was playing, if I was playing the trumpet, like what else, what else am I going to be playing? Yeah. You know, I think that there's, that there is for each individual instrument, right? The one artist or song or, or lick that everybody wants you to play. You know, you hear people shout out, what is it that, um, well, free bird is the free bird, right? <laughs> so free bird for guitar players. I think piano man, probably for piano players, or maybe, you know, like some, uh, sonata, maybe a Mozart thing for piano players. And then I guess maybe for your trumpet friends, it's either what the mighty, mighty Boston's or, uh, uh or potentially, uh, call me out. Yeah. I don't know feels like you just have to you have to get really into jazz um <laughs> exactly or ska maybe. it demands a lifestyle yeah and you can actually visually tell which one uh somebody Play chose tony hawk song <laughs> giddy up giddy up giddy up giddy up <laughs> um but you know what i was i was that just reminds me um i love so far the past two albums that The Weeknd has put out, his debut album, and, and the most recent, the most recent one is very synth-wavy, if you like 80s, if you like video game music, you'll probably like the new uh, Weeknd album, and in one of his tracks called In Your Eyes, he has got a killer guest appearance by Kenny G, of all people, <laughs> and you have got to, I don't know if I... <laughs> If this is something I can come on sound to play and just request a snippet of or something, I know it's only video game adjacent, but mm, that, that Kenny G so good. That's cool. Well, I mean, we can, uh, there, there might be a way to, uh, to finagle that. We just need to get it into a video game first. We need to convince people. <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder my, my greatest hope is that the cyberpunk, uh, 2077 soundtrack manages to, have a let's say grand theft auto amount of uh of tracks on it and then therefore there's a chance there's a small chance that i can get it in there let's uh let's get into some video game pitches and yep. uh, maybe we can yeah maybe we can work some way into uh into finagling our own kind of kenny g uh well we'll see where it goes you never know on playwright yeah anyways i'll be going first today and what i want to present is uh well, this is a bit of a, probably a playwright standard, I would say at this point. This is us perhaps getting too comfortable with what we've, with what we are, uh, could be rightly criticized as doing too often. But anyways, hey, I, I, mean, I want to see if, if we can the listeners want to different... shake it up, they can write into us, right? Yeah. And see, <laughs> we can take it in a different direction anyways, and uh, kind of see where it goes from there. But um, for now, I'm going to start us off on 
alien on foot racing. So you are given a randomly generated spore-like alien with all oh. kinds of different weird bits and bobs. Each of its limbs and other bits are tied to controller or keyboard inputs, but you don't know what is what until you start actually experimenting at the beginning of the race. So you begin each race with a randomly generated alien, and you have to figure out how to make it go, how to, uh, you know, it could have special needs or special quirks, um, but you have to figure it out all on the fly as you go. And um, it's kind of like a, uh, you know, kind of like one of those endurance races, but you have to figure out, you know, what is the limit of your of your creature? What is, mm. you know, what you need to do to keep it happy? And what do you need to do to just get one leg in front of the other sometimes? So I'm going to start the clock there. I like the idea of a, I don't know if I create the creature or if I'm served the creature, but if in the event that I'm served the creature and I, I just kind of, right, you're not creating it. It's all random. So it's just like a real think on your feet co-op situation. I like the idea of the uh, race potentially being populated by different kinds of obstacles and, and maybe things to consume. And you're finding out throughout the race, if you're an herbivore or a carnivore um, and those, what give you, you know, speed boosts or, or, or heal you from, from being wiped out or something like that. What do you think about, um, in addition to if, if it's a race, but it's also a kind of discovery process, if you do something where you're also finding out if your creature is, say, uh, waterproof, a good swimmer, mm-hmm. or um, certain other attributes. I love the idea of being able to, you know, eat enough stuff and then jump very far and that, that kind of thing. I want there to be surprises and kind of risks you can decide to take or not take along the way. You know, if you see a river that you have to cross, or you can go kind of way out of your way to find a bridge to cross it. Do you take that risk? You know, what if your creature ends up dissolving in water and then on the other side, (laughs) you basically don't have feet anymore. And so, you know, all these little risks that you can take, like there's, you never really know what to make of the, of, you know, your specific susceptibilities or anything. And maybe there's little signs, little things you can read, you know, Mm -hmm. shape of teeth or, you know, things like, um, reflectivity of skin. So let's put that ray sure. tracing to the, the, the <laughs> test. Yeah. Um, but really it's just kind of making educated guesses. And, and if this is kind of like a, you know, maybe you could set it up for kind of like short sprint, like sprint, like races where, you know, you're really, um, just getting out there experimenting and then whoever gets to the finish line first is the winner. Or maybe you do set up longer kind of multi-lap endurance races to where, you know, it's really up to, you know, you spend your first lap figuring things out, but then by then you are into the rhythm of controlling your creature. And it really does become more of a test of skill and endurance um, rather than just kind of pure improvisation along the entire way. I know this comes with design challenges uh, in and of itself. And I, you know, I don't want to pack our, uh, our fictional developers with too much to take on here, but the I, I do like the idea of, I think you and I really enjoy the, Maybe some of the longer races that say Forza Horizon or um, or the crew have mm-hmm. to offer where it is one long track. It's not necessarily the same track in, in laps, although that, you know, that has its own sort of um, skill to it. I like the idea of of here's a risk for you. Like, what if I can consume a fellow racer? 
I just like the idea of <laughs> of you getting bigger and stronger. Maybe even uh, if you can identify a fast swimmer or a waterproof creature or something like that, or a, or a hazard-proof creature in some way, if you consume them, you get whatever speed bonus uh, you, you can have, and then also whatever power that they have. And I, I love the idea that that takes a lot of time to like sit and and tackle and fight and digest the other creature and and for the end of the race if one person manages to do that to enough racers you only have one or two normal kind of small creatures left as you have this killer who decided to eat half the race uh <laughs> kind of running uh lightning speed and then now you have a real tortoise and hare situation maybe it's kind of uh you know dot io rules where you all start off around the same size, but if you kind of go out of your way to really kind of, you know, pig out on your first lap, then then you grow enough to where you are larger than the other creatures and you can at that point eat them if you can catch up with them, you know? It's funny because Mario Kart a little bit has this mechanic in coins now, right? Where if you do have 10 coins in your racer, they are just faster than they mm-hmm. were um, in other scenarios. And there's ways to lose coins too. So I imagine you could bring in, you know, some way to, uh, I guess, uh, force a bowel movement <laughs> on some of these creatures. Um, I do, and I do like the idea of actually knocking the crap out of them. But uh, the idea of the consumption and that leading to speed and bonuses, I think is interesting, especially, I know we've played with before on the show, the idea of having these creatures... Uh, having there be a real contrast in size of the creatures, right? Or or potentially some creatures, maybe depending on the creature type, instead of getting bigger or smaller, they they get more legs, you know, something like that. Yeah. The um, Speaking of that kind of 10 coin rule, um, one of my favorite implementations of that in uh, Crash Team Racing on the original PlayStation, if you uh, collected kind of fruits throughout the match, you could get up to 10 of them. And once you kind of hit that 10 threshold, all of the items that you pick up become kind of more powerful variants of the items. Oh, cool. It's it's more incentive without really destabilizing the race. Like you, you know, if you are really being thorough and being kind of a skilled racer, then you're picking your roots so you kind of optimize fruit gains early on, then you are kind of playing with a more powerful deck of cards by the uh, second or third lap. I love that because the thing that, you know, I think it's classically frustrating with your Mario Karts is being in first place and just getting no useful items really or having such a rare chance to get anything decent. So the the idea of the fruit collection and the ability to I, I almost wonder if there's a mechanic of the only way you can tackle another racer or the way that Mario Kart almost has the um, two racers bumping into each other and who's going to get the speed boost out of that that mm-hmm. equation. The idea of you actually have to eat to get to a size to ensure that you're going to win one of the on-track brawls with another racer. It's like the, the biggest slash most fed creature uh, has the advantage or something. You'd always think like, I think it's, you know, there's this kind of standard kind of codified structure. Uh, for character types in a way where bigger creatures are slower and more powerful, smaller creatures are faster and more nimble. Uh, and so you could still kind of maintain that um, with the question being in a typical racing game, well then, you know, how do you ever catch up to anyone else if you are bigger and slower at that point? But we have to kind of remember that this isn't a standard racing game, you know? We aren't 
cars accelerating at top speed in a straight line. We are creatures kind of, you know, trying to barely fumble around just to try to make progress. And limbs could be in any number of places, and they're not always going to be advantageous to uh, to winning a challenge. So, you know, it might not be as difficult as you would think to catch up with another racer as long as you kind of like really kind of stay on your game. I, I, I thought where you were heading with that, and I think this is a, also potentially an interesting twist, is in, in almost more modern in some way, if every creature is flat, and maybe you can like design a creature, right? Like, let's say we get into the, mm-hmm. it's free to play, and now we've got skins and stuff we can, <laughs> uh, can sell you. But the, you make your creature, every creature has the same starting speed, strength, that sort of thing. And as you get bigger, you get that higher top speed, slower acceleration, um, maybe even more momentum, like as there's downhill portions to the races, your your character kind of flies down them a little faster because gravity's pulling them that much harder. <laughs> but now you give the give the creatures the ability to yak up their food <laughs> and throughout the course of a race be constantly changing body size and stuff if they know they're going down a stretch that's a lot of curves and turns and really nimbleness and deceleration and acceleration are going to be the the name of the game then you want to make sure you're small for that portion of the track whereas in a straightaway being as big and powerful and and bumping other creatures and having the most momentum is what matters right um i think that gets us close enough to the 10 minute mark let's go ahead and wrap it and let's give it a name Something that immediately comes to mind is the N64 racing game called Scars, which was supercomputer animal racing simulation. Um, I don't know if that, I don't know if there's some sort of like a fun acronym for kind of like genetically modified, even, you know, those, those long kind of mouthful titles like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is, is pretty fun as well. If we can find like a fun combination of words to use there. What if you did like the... Uh, monster all-stars racing series and call it mars that's, that's fun we can yeah we could do uh we could do mars <laughs> see if we can even even get like a monster energy drink yes sponsorship you know i guess they're they're giving them out to games these days hey between my pitch for skins and yours for endorsement deals we're gonna we're gonna be making that 2k21 money right. baby uh, okay, cool. Let's get to your pitch. What are you bringing us today? I know the the latest hotness, it, it feels like it changes monthly now, but the latest hotness is Among Us. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody's playing it, people are talking about it. But, uh, you know, a game that came out a couple of years ago and seems to have a pretty steady community of people that enjoy it is this uh, Friday the 13th game that didn't necessarily review super well, but it seems to be a, a streamer favorite in terms of uh, play style and I was mm-hmm. I'm thinking about kind of social gameplay and you know social engineering and I like the idea and I understand that that there's a recent game that just started doing this about ghost hunting essentially um, I wish I, I knew the name of the game phasmophobia oh well there you go. phasmophobia what I'm really thinking about is a game where you are a group of friends, and I think we may have pitched something similar in the past, where a group of friends, these are all a multiplayer social game, where you're all trapped inside of some place, some establishment, you are being hunted, but Jason is such a lame villain, so I want to sub in Jason for the the pantheon of great bad guy creatures you can do 
zombies, mummies, vampires, werewolves, whatever. And you have to find the resources and stuff within the environment. The the garlic, the silver bullet, what have you. Uh, the crucifix. <laughs> to fight off these monsters as a group. And you're rated and scored by how many people survive. This does sound a little bit similar to Dead by Daylight, another game that's kind of doing a similar thing. This one seems a little bit more rooted in kind of like traditional types of, uh, of you know, monster variants. And maybe this could be kind of its identity as like a late 1800 setting instead of kind of like a modern yeah. day slasher horror movie setting. But um, so are we thinking something kind of like along the lines of Evolve and does kind of asynchronous multiplayer, um, you know, predator hunting ground, stuff like that? I could go either way with this. Like we could say it's um, almost left for dead style or, or, or dead by daylight. Um, gosh, there's one more that I'm thinking of. Uh, that's almost like a wave by wave arena shooter thing. Um, but the, the idea of somebody being the bad guy, I think is cool or somebody or the bad guy being AI is fine too. One of the things that stood out to me recently, I beat gears of war five. Finally, <laughs> over this past week and gears five is actually pretty good at creating those situations where your character is grabbed and you're kind of out of control and you find yourself button mashing to escape or someone else on your team Mm -hmm. has to, you know, knock the bad guy down in a way, but they, they do great work with the camera and great sound effects to really give you that feeling of, Oh crap, you know, like it's got me. And I do think it would be great to incorporate that a little bit into this type of game where the feeling of, you know, the werewolf busting through the window or the zombies breaking down the door, whatever have you, and and being grabbed feels like a real moment where the maybe the team can rescue you, but you feel panicked and, and helpless. Another game I want to draw attention to as we're kind of drawing comparisons here is called Hunt Showdown. Do you know this one? I've heard of it. I've, I don't know it. It is a, uh, it's a bit of an odd one. It's a competitive game. So it's you and I think it's, I think it's team-based, either team-based or there are like just like a small handful of other players kind of on uh, kind of medium scale maps. But um you know, it, it's set in the, I think, early 1900s, maybe late 1800s. Um, could be kind of like a civil war. Feels more recent than that. But it's kind of in this Louisiana swampy type of area. Um, but basically, you're on these these maps. It's kind of like a battle royale, but you're not actually spending most of your time fighting the other people. It's A lot of it is kind of stealth-based. You're trying to stay quiet. Your weaponry isn't... It's old weaponry. It's period-appropriate, and so it's it's loud. It's, you know, it's inaccurate. Like you're not, <laughs> you're not going to want to get into a lot of honest gunfights because it's going to just come out. Everyone's going to come out a loser in that situation. So, you know, when you are trying to fight the other players, you are uh, setting traps for them and trying to kind of discern their location based on environmental details and stuff like that. But um, uh, the thing that makes it interesting is that each map also contains kind of like an urban legend monster in a way whether it's like a like a serial killer or you know like like some you know not somebody that would like blend in necessarily but like kind of a grotesque horrible type of monster something that would have a lair that would set up in a like one of those like you know the evil butcher or something like that you would have this kind of like the primary task that you are there to do is to essentially hunt down this kind of urban legend monster 
Uh, so it's kind of like Monster Hunter in a way. It's like preparing for battle, making sure that you're equipped. If you go in just kind of like blindly without gathering supplies and stuff like that, then you're going to go down in no time at all. So you're all you're kind of like competing against everyone else. You're also hunting down this one specific monster. So I think that there's uh, fun ways to kind of balance um, competitive and, and semi-cooperative uh, elements as well. You know, one one thing that strikes me that maybe is a more unique twist on some of these is you talked a little bit about Evolve and, and you know, that game had mixed success. But I, I wonder if you specifically make the monsters... Uh, and you might have to twist fiction a little bit to do this, but you specifically make the monsters monsters that turn other people into the monster. So now you have your zombies, your vampires, your werewolves. Like one of the central fictions of them is that they turn other people into them. And I wonder if the game flow is not more you start off with this AI threat uh, and you're trying to protect your group, but as members of your group are bitten or, you know, touch, I guess they all bite, huh? God, that's, that's a, <laughs> we don't have a lot of great ideas when it comes to horror, mm-hmm. but, uh, when, when somebody's bitten, then you get more into the among us, uh, social mechanics of yeah. determining who was bitten. Um, you create a lot of moments where there's, you know, the lights are out or there's confusion and, the person who is bitten, they feel the rumble on their controller. Or they, you know, they get an indication just to them that they're, they're bitten. But if they can, once you're bitten and you know, you're going to turn, um, the amount of people, uh, you know, you can potentially defeat the other players in the party and still win. So you almost, you win by either surviving or you win by <laughs> turning and murdering the rest of your group. It would be interesting if you don't know which monster is currently on the map. And so Mm. if it isolates somebody, tracks them down and turns them, there are different scenarios that can prompt them to turn into a werewolf, to turn into a vampire. You know, they, for the most part, they remain seemingly a helpful member of your party. But, uh, you know, there are different triggers that you'd have to kind of be wary of. So maybe one of them, one of them transforms night one of them transforms during the day yeah they can even like find ways to maybe there are things that they can eat that would suppress the physical change and so they can really kind of like blend in with you um so they're kind of you know they're trying to look like they're being helpful and hunting down the monster while they're trying to play their own game of of their own mind games of, of trickery and then maybe there are signs that you can look for as a surviving player to try to find out what kind of monster is on the map so that you can kind of have a sense of what to look out for and when to put up your guard. I, I love the idea of if, I mean, I know Discord's so prevalent, but if you had an in-game voice chat of when someone is transforming mm-hmm. to actually put transforming effects Hollywood style on their voice, yeah. uh, so you can really get a good, good werewolf vibe uh, going on. But yeah, the the idea of suppressing it and, you know, the the vampire is almost the most insidious, right? Because since this is my unofficial ray tracing episode, now you can do a new reflection uh, and small <laughs> indications like that, where if somebody's paying attention, um, they can spot things. And then, of course, you know, can the team find the garlic, the crucifixes? Uh, I even just like the idea of somebody who needs an exorcism, just possessed uh, yeah. people. But the, I, I, you know, this maybe pushes it more towards the evolve realm and a little bit less the, 
the sort of contained space. But uh, I think doing that 1800s pitch, but also potentially having the maps be, you know, something sizable, something maybe we'll call it 50% of a of a PUBG or 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 an Apex Legends where mm-hmm. there is the opportunity for maybe some, you know, really crappy uh, horse and carriage uh, vehicle work and and the idea of being on that sprawling you know a sprawling estate with a super fast werewolf that can chase you or you know something like that or zombies like the second that it is a zombie the more noise you make the more AI zombies end up showing up and you get a real Night of the Living Dead feeling to it you know I, I want to yeah kind of inject elements of Monster Hunter into this to where you really have to yeah. track your enemies you really have to kind of like find clues and signs for what they are and what they're doing there um, yeah I think there's some uh, and that clever fun to be had with that. Um, anyways, we are coming up on our 10 minutes. Let's let's go ahead and name this one. We have Apex Legends. Do we need like a, you know, a horror legends or something like that? Or Apex Predator. That's a better that's better than what I just said. What are what do we call the do you remember that when Tom Cruise was in that mummy and they were like, we're going to make a something cinematic universe or something? Yeah, it was the dark universe. The dark universe. Maybe there's something there. <laughs> it's a very edgelord name. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can get, uh, yeah, we can get the proper metal bands to do the soundtrack work. And I think we're in, um, there, there's, pr- there's so many video games that are like dark and dark side and darkness. And, and, and there's also even good names like, sir, you're being hunted which is a totally mm-hmm. different, what says iconic monsters, but surviving with a group of, of innocent bystanders survive the nights on steam is already a game. Say like monster hunter is really the most straightforward. That's the thing that my mind always keeps circling back to, but we really can't. I think we can't be sued for monster hunted. <laughs> I do. I like that. That's a nice. <laughs> it's a proper amount of camp for a playwright title. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty good. Let's head over to our community and see what you all have pitched this week for us to discuss, dissect, and uh, potentially find willing publishers for on the show. <laughs> We've been uh, signed up for a mailing list. It looks like for the uh, the Sakya Monastery of Tibetan Buddhism. Yes. Uh, and we got their weekly events and announcements. So let's go through there and see if anything strikes our fancy and inspires us to make a uh, thrilling video game. Um, upcoming online events, calm abiding meditation via Zoom. Instruction followed by meditation practice. There's a, a Zoom link there. It's actually kind of actually kind of tempting. Oh, it's already happened. That's all right. On Sunday, there is a Chenrezig and HH uh, Trinley Rinposh Memorial live stream. Although we are currently unable to hold in-person practices due to the coronavirus precautions, Sakya Monastery is able to live stream our regular Sunday Chenrezi meditation practice for all who wish to participate remotely. Uh, there is a Monday movement for meditators Zoom class. Have you ever wanted some adaptable, friendly exercise that could that you could utilize to help with aches and pains from meditation postures? This class will combine the methods from Tibetan yogas, Fletcher, Pilates, and the breathing exercises of Martha Graham hmm. in a fully integrated and adaptable approach. Yeah, it is uh, taught by a dance professional. There is a Chenrezi via Zoom. I don't know what that word is, but it keeps coming up. Oh, it's probably here. Uh, Chenrezi is the bodhisattva or deity 
of loving kindness and compassion, the Chenrezi service and meditation, is the central spiritual practice at Sakya Monastery. It's very easy to practice and enables you to develop loving kindness and compassion in your life. Sounds quite nice. And it's a little bit of an about at the bottom here. It says, Sakya Monastery provides access to Buddha's teaching and guidance in a community of practitioners. We offer a wide variety of classes on Tibetan Buddhism, spiritual practices, philosophy, and culture. Sakya Monastery, which is founded by His Holiness Jigdal Dagchen Dorye Cheng, provides a place to learn from highly qualified Tibetan lamas in a beautiful tr- uh, traditional setting. We are blessed to have His Eminence Avikarita Vajra Rinpoche as our head lama. He is supported by Her Eminence Dagmo Kusho Sakya Kenpo Jampa Lama Mi'kmaq Lama Kelsang are our senior of monks and lay practitioners and our board of advisors. All right, I think that's some information there. A lot of meditation going on, so let's see what we can do to turn that into a game. Thinking about the meditation angle, I almost can't help but turn to uh, my Apple Watch because it it has that sort of breathe app, which depending on uh, the user, it goes. That's anything from um, a really, you know, kind reminder throughout the day to, to take a moment for yourself to a really parenty nag <laughs> of why aren't you breathing, which is kind of a, um, an annoying little thing to have on your wrist, but the, I enjoy it. And one of the ways that it, it kind of guides you through your breathing is these haptic pulses that, uh, go, go up and down and encourage you during your breathe in and breathe out to kind of monitor yourself and control it. And so I'm wondering if there's a, there's an angle to this that is like leveraging the rumble in the controller so we can accomplish some, some true Buddhist meditations with a group. You know, there's a game that I really like called Moshi Moshi. It is a um, kind of a twin stick shooter where it's a three color game, essentially. Yeah. Either two or three colors, depending on the, I don't remember offhand, but basically you are one color. Your enemies can be one of the other colors. The background is comprised of kind of like radiating rings of the three colors. They kind of, you know, they they switch off. If you or your enemy is on a background color that matches their own color, then they essentially no longer exist. And mm. so your bullets won't impact them. Uh, you you know, are able to kind of slip by enemies, like whatever it is, um, they become invisible, don't exist anymore. And so you really have to play kind of with that limitation in mind. And so, you know, maybe there's something we can do to kind of tie that type of mechanic to like a, like a heart rate sensor where you're tasked with playing kind of like a, kind of like a geometry wars style twin stick shooter wearing a heart rate monitor. And as your heart rate is low, it, um, you know, you get a really clear view of what's going on in the, in the match. And you really have to kind of like focus on like, if you want the clearest vision, your heart rate has to be below what would be a normal resting rate. Mm. You know, as your heart rate elevates, then it obscures the vision of what's taking place. Maybe it looks like you're kind of looking into a tube. Maybe as your heart rate goes, uh, goes on, you kind of pull farther out. And, you know, you, 
you get the sense that like you don't have as much control over what's going on anymore, which uh, like it, it's basically a tool to kind of teach yourself to overcome your your body's natural reactions and to uh, uh, to calm yourself and um, you know really take control of your biological uh, being. That's interesting. I mean, one of the games that uh, <laughs> honestly I don't know if it has any place in in modern gaming, but I deeply miss this game which is uh, Bejeweled. I loved Bejeweled. It's a really simple match three game. It was kind of the original um, one of those, at least in the modern era. Mm -hmm. Bejeweled, I think two or three, introduced this mindfulness mode or this, <laughs> this relaxation mode where it actually had this little um, semi-transparent uh, marker kind of on, in behind the jewels. Yeah, that's that right. Yeah, go up and down and encourage you to kind of match your breathing rhythm. So I wonder if we can have some mechanic that is both your heart rate and the just, you know, you make sound as you, you know, into a microphone. And uh, and I wonder if you can measure that or quantify it somehow. Fitness boxing uh, hasn't, <laughs> they're very specific with how they want you to breathe when you throw a punch, which is you should make a, like a, kind of a quick outward breath mm -hmm. as you throw a punch. I don't know why. I don't know if it provides more power through the punch or if it, uh, or if it just helps you have control over when you're taking your breaths and therefore give you better sort of control or stamina. But I do like the idea of, of bringing in breath control into this as well. Cause meditation is very much about, even counting one's breaths, if you can count up to 10 and, and don't worry about going past, just like start over, just keep going one to 10 and, and mastering mindfulness that way. So we have, um, I'm, I'm curious now, you know, what, um, what types of biological sensors are available and how, um, you know, how cheap they are to acquire. You know, I know that there are, uh, it is one of those things that like, uh, psychologists do sometimes it's like they'll hook somebody up with like a with like a kind of a biological monitoring system and when people see their heart rate and they learn you know things that they can do to calm themselves down mm. and they actually see the results of that happening like on the screen in front of them it becomes a lot easier to do it in the future so it's a way that people are kind of trained to be able to to deal with panic attacks and stuff like that, where you would need to kind of rapidly calm yourself. Um, and so once you have that kind of data available to you, then it becomes entirely doable. We could always, uh, we could get um, devious by adding, you know, vibration functions that would try to, you know, startle people or whatever. Like, I don't know if what this is, is just kind of like training people to not have emotional physiological reactions to video games anymore. I don't know if this would be a negative for people, but uh, <laughs> it could be kind of like a positive mental health thing in the long run. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if, I wonder if you build a game that's really tying metaphors to certain things. So maybe you control um, a boat or an airship and your, let's imagine a sailboat for a second and your ability to push the ship forward is about the breathing out and the sound that it makes, you know, the microphone interprets it goes, okay, that's the breathing out sound. And, um, I'm going to kind of, you know, push the boat, give it a little nudge forward. And then the, the, your heart rate 
and your sort of level of calmness is tied to the rockiness of the ocean or the skies. Um, and so to, to get to your destination, you're really, you're really trying to keep the sea calm and keep the vehicle, the boat moving. And, you know, maybe it's as, you know, it can be as simple as, you know, some of the ring fit stuff isn't even that complicated. Um, but it can be that simple as just an A to B. But potentially, you know, you have moments that are introduced in the later levels that would cause excitement. Some, you know, something that, you know, a flash of lightning, a sudden flock of birds, perhaps a scary shark, uh, and your ability to keep breathing, stay calm in those moments is in a way showing you that meditation is very big on allow the outside noises and sounds to fade away, to drown away and focus on your breath and focus on being mindful and being right there just then. And so if if it's nothing except for in the same way we we see so many fitness games that are like, hey, just play it every day and it's basically the same thing, but you know, hopefully you get better and better or you burn calories in the process. Maybe that we could do that for mindfulness. And I think apps like Headspace, to which I to which I have, I it's great for an everyday thing, but you know, it's so easy to play games that get you really riled up, especially multiplayer games, right? It gets the adrenaline pumping and to have a game that you can switch to with something on your PS5 or your Xbox Series X or whatever that you can quickly switch to and just say, okay, now this is my cooldown game. This is my chill out game that actually helps me master it in real life, I think is is neat. This is cool. And maybe maybe there's a mobile app that uh, can do some of the same things. So you can kind of have it with you as you go and kind of make it into a into a lifestyle uh, type of experience. Um, but I think that'll just about wrap it for now. Um, thank you very much, Sakya Monastery of Tibetan Buddhism, for sending that one in. And uh, let's let's give it a name. What are we going to call this one? The word Bodhisattva, um, just as a word. Bodhisattva is a nice word. It's uh, yeah, it always makes me think of the song too. So that's uh, another fun. That is um, yeah, I, I won't go into that. Uh, yeah, I think that's a that's a nice way to, and it kind of has a ring of like one of those early arcade games. You know how they always have kind of like seemingly unrelated single word titles like salamander it's like who would have thought that salamander would be a space shooter <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i think it's a fun name um if you'd like to submit yeah if you'd like to submit a video game of your own you can do so by going to playwrightcast.com slash pitch you can email us or sign us up for a newsletter apparently <laughs> um at uh playwrightcast at gmail.com or you can tweet us at playwrightcast <sighs> Special thank you to Protodome for the use of our theme song, Hello World, off the album Blue Noise. And when you have a spare breath, why not go breathe, be mindful, and live in the moment while listening to a great Kane and Rinse podcast? I hope the next episode of Sound to Play is very relaxing uh, <laughs> for all of our behalves, Sage. Um, there's Sound to Play, there's The Sausage Factory, there's Kane and Rinse. Um, and there's even more in terms of articles and uh, Mikhail's live streams. And there's, there's so much to enjoy. To take us out of the show today, I'm going to be delivering a redacted game. Mm. This is, uh, we'll see how it goes. The redacted lines have been drawn. And an elite <laughs> group of sly strategists are massing redacted at your redacted. You'll have to command ground, air, and redacted if you hope to survive the coming redacted. And it won't be easy. 
with 114 maps to redacted on oh. both single redacted and multi redacted modes. Redacted brings redacted to a depth never before seen on a redacted. Never before seen. Okay. So we've got ground tr- troops potentially or units. Uh, we've got air. Did you say, did you mention C on there? No, uh, there was a third thing, but that has been redacted. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the quote of this whole segment. Uh, <laughs> there is a third thing, but it has been redacted. Um, okay, so there's many units. There's 113 maps, which is quite a few maps. I, I feel like they, I feel like games of that scale, or would even tout that as a number, are not necessarily modern because it used hmm. to be. You know, we used to talk about how many maps does it have or how many levels does something have. So that feels kind of like a, an Nowadays, anachronism. when you're hitting those numbers, you might as well just go for a procedural generation, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. So, okay. I'm, I'm sensing RTS in this. So I'm going to start with, is this... God, the thing about RTS is, is that they're all franchises. Is this... Age of Empires. No, two, it's not. Two, 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 nope. two, two, two. It's not in the Age series. <laughs> Including uh, Age of Mythology, it is not that. Ah, okay. Give me some superlatives or some some notable metadata. All right. It is a um it is a ninety-two meta score and an oh, eight point wow. nine user score. So it's good. It's quite good. So I guess the age series would have made sense not or or doesn't necessarily make sense for air. So I'm guessing Maybe my next go is a is a Starcraft or Star sorry, sorry, Starcraft. Uh, let's call it one. The original Starcraft it is not in the Starcraft series. Ooh, <laughs> one <laughs> guess left. Um, all right, what else? Do you have any additional support yeah, for me? And then I would take one more Pull up <laughs> and pull up some user reviews. There are. Not any zeros from what I can see. Wow. The lowest that I'm pulling up is a five, which, uh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, I can't give you the <laughs> certain types of information I could tell you, and this is not going to be helpful, but on the Metacritic page, the trailer that is featured underneath the description is a trailer of the wrong game. So oh. Metacritic really, uh, for such an esteemed game, they really didn't do their homework. Is a Metacritic must play, but uh, who knows what game they're talking about. So that takes me into maybe games that are not super maintained, super in the consciousness. That's a, a good inclination. Okay, okay. Um, read me the description one more time. The redacted lines have been drawn, and an elite group of sly strategists are massing redacted at your redacted. You'll have to command ground, air, and redacted if you want, if you hope to survive the coming redacted. And it won't be easy with 114 maps to redacted on and battle, uh, sorry, with 114 maps to redacted on and both single redacted and multi redacted modes, it won't be easy. Oh, no, that's the same line. Uh, redacted brings redacted to a depth never before seen on a redacted. Depth never before seen. That's either a really big clue. So it's never before seen on a redacted. So it's not just never before seen, period. Oh. It's a minor difference, but it does make one. No, it makes a huge difference. So, okay. So, and that also clarifies that my my thinking of that is this, uh, 
is this like a gimmick um, sort of never before or, or not, not I mean talking about like gameplay, but it seems like it's, it is talking about gameplay, but it's talking about how amazing it would be to have this gameplay on a platform that maybe is bereft of this type of game. Could be, or at least this is the example that is the best use of, you know, or is the best implementation of this type of gameplay on the platform. <laughs> oh man. Um, I feel like it's so boring for me to continue to just pick RTS games, but you, you do have more clues if you want year or anything like that. Um, yeah. Sure yeah. That would be great. A year would be helpful. All right. I will say that uh, I'll give some awards and rankings. This is the number three best game of its platform of 2001. This is the number three most discussed game of its platform of 2001 and the number two most shared game of its platform of 2001. 2001. My, my mind is in Command and Conquer territory, but I, I'm not entirely sure if it was kicking around in 2001 or if I'm like way late uh, to that. Because when I think mm. of Command and Conquer, I think of, you know, FMV games and I, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and that does not strike me as like a, a totally modern thing. Okay, there's I a mean, ton of... the, uh, the famous Tim Curry qu- um, clip was from, I think, 2000 and, uh, 2009, maybe, oh. or 2007, somewhere around there. So they were still doing FMVs a lot later than everyone else was. I think just as more of kind of like a legacy thing. <laughs> we shot this two years ago. We didn't know it was not going to be cool by now. <laughs> you guys give me a break. The Tim Curry clip is very cool. <laughs> Make no mistake about it. You know what, what I'm talking about, right? Like... I will go to the one place not corrupted by capitalism. Space. <laughs> I didn't know that that's what we Oh, you have, to, you have to see that. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, just pull it up on YouTube or something. It's pretty funny. All right. I've got some, some tubing to do. Some curry tube. I'll, I'll be, I'll be, uh, <laughs> I'm into that. Okay. Oh my God. I'm commanding units. Air and land and redacted. I feel like the redaction there is a big, is big as well. It's nothing surprising, I would say. Okay. Okay. I'm, I I just don't, I'm not sure I want to guess another RTS, but I'm going to guess Command and Conquer Red Alert. No, not a Command and Conquer game. Sorry. Oh, what do you got for me? And actually not an RTS at all. Oh, I was in the wrong head. Close though. Close. Um, I'll read it unredacted and maybe I'll just redact the title, which does come up and see if that's enough information. Although if it's not an RTS game, is it like a, is it a strategy game? I think we'll just have to find out. (laughs) Okay. The battle lines have been drawn. And an elite group of sly strategists are massing troops at your borders. You'll have to command ground, air, and naval forces if you hope to survive the coming naval. wars. And it won't be easy. With 114 maps to battle on in both single-pack and multi-pack link modes, Blank oh. brings turn-based strategy to a depth never before seen on a handheld. Son of a bitch. 2001, what is it? Is this Advanced Wars? Yes. <laughs> oh my God. I, when I, sh- so I like, oh, it's advanced. Wars. 
I just am like, so when you said instead of real time, but still pretty close. Yeah. I, I was kind of in the headspace of gosh, why haven't they done another advanced wars? Anyway, um, the, I was, I, I went to like mobile when I was thinking never before seen, oh, but yeah. 2001 is too early for touchscreen mobile phone gaming. And I know that there was several attempts to port, you know, your early RTS games to some of those, you know, the iPhone and Android phones mm, early right. on, but this was so pre it, but advanced wars. Oh my God. And we're all still waiting for Nintendo to give us more advanced wars. Image and form. I think they're the ones that an intelligent system sets it. Intelligent uh, they're, systems. They're um, entirely focused on fire emblem these days. And as long as uh, they continue to be rewarded with seats on the smash bros roster, I don't <laughs> see them uh, switching that up anytime soon. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, I wonder if when they go into their business meeting, one of their KPIs is, can we get uh, <laughs> one of these characters into Smash? Will it work? I don't know. They've got a cape and a sword. They've got a lot of those. Oh, I don't know. Smash seems to be pretty warm and adding as many of those types of characters. They already have as... seven Marths. We don't need another. <laughs> what? You're not excited for Byleth? You don't want Byleth in there? Oh, geez. That was a dark morning. <laughs> <laughs> can't believe i woke up early for that <laughs> well at least we've got uh, you know for i don't know you, you played the steve stuff but hopefully it was uh, more interesting to play than another it's another sword character although steve has a sword at times isn't he yeah it's uh he's difficult to get a hang of but um i mean i like that they're continuing the change up play styles and stuff like that it's uh it's cool, cool. it's not another fire emblem character so <laughs> that's all that matters that's the high order bid baby all right that'll do it for us this week thank you for listening and we'll catch you again next time bye <laughs>